pollsters and political geeks, the year after a presidential election is very weird. That's because there are so few big elections, no Senate races, no House, almost no governors. This time on Poll Hub, our new poll of one of the only races in 2021 that people are really paying attention to, the New York City mayoral contest. It's big, not only because New York is America's biggest city and no other mayor in the US has a bigger stage, but this year, New York City has adopted something called ranked choice voting. It's the biggest test of this new system of voting, and it's not only potentially confusing to voters, it is confounding for pollsters. We're gonna talk about that. There's a lot to dig in on this, so let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marengoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. So New York City, mayor's races, we've been polling for, what, about 100 years. Um, when, what, what, was the first, what was the first New York City mayor race that, that we, I mean, I wasn't here, but that you guys uh, polled? 1989, the time that David Dinkins uh, beat Rudy Giuliani and became the first uh, black mayor in New York City. So fast forward a lot of years, and um, uh, we have a new poll that we did with our partners at WNBC and Telemundo 47 and Politico of the New York City mayor's race. And this one is really unusual for a whole bunch of reasons. Let's start, I think, can we start with ranked choice voting and maybe just explain that real quickly? Because it really does set the table for everything we're going to talk about. This is not a normal election. Right? Well, if you can well, explain ranked choice voting real quickly, you're yeah, better Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> I mean, to give an elevator pitch for ranked choice voting is a really, is a really tall order. Give it but a, give it a past, try. But in the past, um, uh, New York City had traditional elections for mayor. Um, if there was a large field of candidates, and there are actually 13 candidates uh, running for mayor on the Democratic side, uh, this time and another two on the Republican side um, who will meet up um, in, the, in the general election. Um, and the, in a, in a multi-candidate field, uh, there was a threshold. The candidate had to get at least 40%. Otherwise, the, the city would have to run another election on another date um, and have a runoff between the top two candidates. Which happens in a lot of places. We saw that recently in Georgia, for instance, in the Absolutely. Senate race. Absolutely. Different right. threshold, but the same idea. Mm -hmm. So what ranked choice voting tries to do is, A, uh, give uh, voters an opportunity to actually vote for the candidate that they like the most, regardless of where that candidate may fall uh, in, in the polls or um, how far ahead or behind they think they are. And then uh, voters um, get to choose more than just that candidate when they walk into the voting booth. I think the easiest way to explain ranked choice voting is kind of verbally describe um, what, the, what people are gonna be looking at once they go into the voting booth. They're gonna have 13 candidates uh, along the rows on the left-hand side of their ballot. And then across the top, they're gonna to have five preferences uh, labeled literally one, two, three, four, and five. And it's kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, bingo. Uh, would, that be, <laughs> would that be a good way of explaining sure. it? But it's Where, first choice, second choice, third choice, fourth choice, and fifth choice. I mean, and that's... you've got to line up your row with the right, with the right choice that you wanna make. 
And so um, uh, some people will walk into the ballot, uh, will fill out their ballot, I should say, because not everybody's walking into a voting booth anymore. There is actually early voting um, in New York City, uh, which started um, actually a number of days ago. Last Saturday, I believe. Yeah. And um, and so uh, when they're looking, you know, with the, looking at the ballot, um, they may just choose one and be done. Um, we found that uh, two candidates, uh, Eric Adams, uh, who is uh, um, uh, somewhat ahead um, in the latest in our latest poll, and uh, Andrew Yang, their supporters are those most likely to just be one and done and move on. But most voters are actually going to go through all the different preferences um, and pick more than one candidate, likely two, three, or four. And there's actually probably a quarter of voters that are going to actually choose five ballots. And so what, what happens then is when they count it, that's the, the other tricky part is that if whoever gets the least number of votes in the first round, those votes are tossed out right, for that person. But the second choice of the voters who voted for that person, who's now gone, that second choice votes get added to the people who are still in. And that goes through as many as 12 rounds. That would be the maximum rounds for 13 candidates until you get two people, the last two standing. So this additive thing makes it difficult to understand for voters, but the polling, it makes polling really hard. So Lee, normally we'd say, Eric Adams is ahead because he gets 24% of the vote and Catherine Garcia second, she gets 17% of the vote. But that's not what we said this time because we can't say that, right? Yeah, well, before, just a hair before we get into okay. like what, how this compounds polling, is, is it, am I correct in saying that if there was a candidate who had bigger support, you know, started at 46%, you don't go 13, 12 right. rounds and Very it's only, in other words, because the people you're knocking out uh, at the beginning and for the first several rounds, most rounds have like one or 2%. So right. that doesn't kick anybody over because the top vote getter right now is in the twenties. So to get to 50, it's going to go multiple rounds, although it doesn't have to, because yes. Well, hang yeah. on, hang on. Don't, don't just say kicked out, too, because it sounds like we're now taking away votes. And the whole point of ranked choice voting is if you vote for a candidate that didn't win um, and actually was pretty far down in the bottom, you now get to kind of, quote, vote again, if that makes sense, because you, you have get a, a second, second choice. You right. get a second choice. And if that second choice has been kicked out, um, you then have the third choice, which will be counted. And so you can actually, it's your, your vote is more likely to count uh, towards determining who the mayor is going to be uh, than just if you had voted for one candidate. Well, if I get a lousy bingo card and I get, <laughs> and I pick five people of these 13 and they finish eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th in the actual voting, what happened to me? I, I, do I count? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because um, if, if, <laughs> if you pick the 12th candidate second, because right, there's 13 candidates. So yes. one would yeah. have been, so that would be the second round. Right. Um, then your next choice, then your next choice counts. But but in the end, if you get all the rounds, you end up with two candidates. There's no guarantee that I picked well, one of those true. at all. That's so, absolutely true. So I, I, but I'm, you get I'm to, a loser. You get to, no, you get to. But, but that's, you, that's no different than in a four-way yeah. race, uh, Lee. 
That's no different. I mean, that hasn't changed. So anyway, so what right. are the numbers? Where do we find in this poll? And also, first, what do we find in the poll? And then how did we calculate this? Because you can't just say who the first choice is of people because nobody's winning on the first round. So we had to do a lot more. We worked with an organization called Fair Vote, who, uh, who understands this stuff and has some algorithms built around this. Let's talk about that. What did we, what did we find and how did we get there? Yes, they are actually ranked choice vote advocates. Uh, they don't advocate any one particular candidate, but they do advocate for the, this method of voting and believe that it is more representative um, and, to, and is a way to allow people to have uh, more options. However, it's not going to feel that way after election day uh, or on election day, because the only thing that will be released at that point is everyone's first choice. So it's going to look very similar um, to, you know, a, a traditional election day, and then the, the other preferences have to be calculated. And what so did we, we find for the at, first and choice? We looked, yeah. When we looked at first choice, um, uh, Eric Adams, um, the uh, Brooklyn uh, Borough uh, President, was um, in uh, ahead with 24%. Um, uh, Catherine Garcia had 17%. And uh, Maya Wiley had 15%, and Andrew Yang had 13%. We then jumped pretty far down to the next person, who was Scott Stringer, um, who had 7%. And then the, the rest of the candidates were in a low, low single. Including single the, the wonderfully named Paperboy Love Prince. I know, that was I just I needed to say his name once in the podcast, <laughs> so we can go up. Isn't he our guest next week when yeah. he wins the... Uh, Probably not. <laughs> so that's the first choice. And normally, Barb, that would be the end of the story. And now we'd be talking about cross tabs and all that. But this isn't the end of the story. But think about, think about that. So you have candidates um, that are getting just, you know, about a quarter to a fifth of the vote. Uh, that's a long way from the the original 40% threshold uh, that we would have had in a, in a previous mayor election and a really long way from the 50% threshold that is required to win the primary uh, this, this time. So yeah, there are a lot of rounds. So what happens is the, the, um, the 13th candidate who I think uh, was Aaron Foldenauer with 0.1%. Uh, um, so uh, he was the first candidate to be dropped off, and then we went on to the second round. Uh, we continued that through, actually, it took us 12 rounds. We didn't really see a lot of changes in the upper tier candidates until we got to around 10. Uh, not around 10, to round 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and at the end, um, uh, Eric Adams maintained his lead um, and um, got 56% to Catherine Garcia's 44% in the final 12th round, which was the point at which he ended up going over 50%. It's very important. talk about the yeah. uncertainty here. Yeah, it took, the is... word, took the word right out of my mouth. Exactly. So the next sentence has to talk about polls are always estimates within a margin of error taken at the time uh, you know, important for the time that they're taken. Campaigns don't stop because we do a poll. They continue. In fact, they went to a, a debate Wednesday night uh, after long after we were uh, actually uh, doing the interviews. So uncertainty is a thing that we live with 
as a certain, you know, we always have survey estimates. This time there's compounded by the fact that the behavior, as we've been talking about, people may be one and done, they may go two, they may go as many as five rounds, and we have to talk about that. And each round is a separate statistical event. So by the time we get to someone getting over round 50, 12, yeah, round 12, <laughs> and this is reminding me of the Ali Frazier fight, the second one that went 12 rounds. Uh, and 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 one was standing at the end, but it, but he was kind of bruised and battered. So I mean, I don't know if we're kind of going down that same road. Uh, but uh, so so you get to the end round. And normally a 50, whatever it is, to 40, there was a big gap, 12 points between Adams and Garcia. That would be something we would have quite a bit of confidence in as a big lead. It doesn't count for as much now because of the uncertainty. We don't know what the turnout's going to be. It's 13 candidates. It's the first time New York City's had a June primary for mayor as opposed to a September primary. And, you know, that's added into the whole mix of what are people actually going to do when they are uh, looking at the ballot that has the opportunity to go five uh, five choices? And you know, will they? I think what the rank, uh, you know, the, the the fair vote people have found is that as you get closer to primary or election day, um, people start increasing the number of rounds because they start learning more about the candidates and they become more connected to it. And this is, I will end by saying a poll is a, this is a subset of a subset of a subset. So these are likely Democratic primary voters of whom if we get 20% turnout, that'll be, you know, a break with precedent because that'll be more than we've had in quite a few primary days. And, so, and that's one, Lee, that's one of the arguments that, that some of the campaigns are making. I mean, one, do we think that it's fair that it's being characterized as any of these top four could win? That's probably a fair characterization. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The Absolutely. other thing that campaigns, some of the campaigns, especially Andrew Yang's campaign is arguing, because in this particular poll, the first choice, he's in fourth place. But again, anybody you know could clearly win this, is that the electorate will be different this time for all the reasons you just stated, Lee. It's just an unprecedented election. And so the electorate's not going to look anything like it has in the past. And I want to hone in on one yeah. thing. We used to say in covering politics and, and all races in New York City, and this is true all over the country, but in New York City in particular, we knew who the prime voters were in primaries. They were uh, uh, older, especially older women on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. <laughs> that was a prime voting black. There were African-American, older women, prime mm -hmm. up in Harlem in, in, and in, out in parts of, of Brooklyn. Uh, and then there were union members uh, because the union endorsements mattered so much. And that's how you got uh, a coalition together when six or seven percent of the, of the electorate turned out in a Democratic primary. Uh, is there anything to suggest that those prime voting groups hold anymore in this particular year? Um, they, well, yes and no. Um, they are well, there's clearly, a poll answer for you. <laughs> no, because uh, yes, because they are still more likely to show up. Um, they are what you know is kind of called habitual primary voters. So if you look at the proportion of people who have voted in previous mayoralty elections, um, the likelihood is you need to kind of give them a little bit more weight because more of them are going to show up proportionally than they represent among Democrats as a whole. However, 
we've had a couple of really interesting elections. We've had the general elections of off-year off election during Trump's term in 2018, and then the general election in 2020, where there was enormous uh, uh, voter registration. A lot of people are now um, registered to vote. And that's, that's who we were talking to. We were talking to registered Democrats. So um, our poll uh, certainly has taken that into account. Um, I know the Yang campaign has been suggesting, oh no, it's also different, you know, if you're looking at prime voters, but we don't just look at prime voters. We give them a little more emphasis, but we are also looking at the fact that there are a lot of new people who have, may have never voted in a mayoralty yeah. election who are going to show up this time. But talk just a second about, you know, there was some feed, uh, pushback um, because of, you know, there wasn't a separate heading for Asian American voters in the release can you talk just a second about oh, sure. why we include subgroups and why other groups are not included in the release, not necessarily in the poll? Yeah, we include white, black, and Latino. Yeah. And there were people who said, oh, so you didn't poll Asians. Right. And so um, we, we release and we characterize um, the results of, of all the questions, not just the toss-up, but all the questions by a number of different subgroups, which you know we refer to as the cross-tabulation, which means you're just cutting the sample. You're looking at a particular group and seeing how they answer. Um, we require a minimum of uh, 100 um, uh, interviews unweighted, which means we actually speak, need to speak with at least 100 people from any one subgroup in order to release it. What, what does that mean and why do we do that? It's because statistically we wanna have confidence that um, our numbers are representing the opinions of that group of, of, of individuals. And the proportion of Asian Democrats um, in New York City does not meet that threshold. We, we do speak with them, but there are only approximately um, you know, between five and 6% um, in, in New York City. And so if we're doing a sample of between 800 and 1,000, you can see we're not getting to that threshold of 100 interviews. Um, the same thing is for Staten Island. And, um, you know, it is, it always yeah, People said about, we didn't poll Staten Island, yeah. We yeah. always poll Staten Island, but it's only 3% of the Democratic primary. So again, we wouldn't meet that 100 unweighted interviews. Yeah, so bottom line, Folks in Staten Island and Asian Americans in New York City are included in these final totals. Absolutely. They're just not pulled out because we would be misrepresenting the views of that group if we did that. So we're actually we being... can't talk. We can't talk about the whole group just based on yeah. the, the, that small. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm sure least without any statistical comment. Yeah, Jay, you look like you wanted to make a point here before no. I go to my fun oh, fact. Oh no, 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 no! I don't. I do want to make a point before you go to your fun fact because we we talk about ranked choice voting. I just want to step back for one one more second and i know mary's rolling her eyes and giving me the you know no 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 text. she gave the she's rap actually, two minutes she's actually not <laughs> this but, time you know, she's we, not we, yeah. we talk we talk no about we, we talk about ranked choice voting <laughs> as being difficult for people to do or confounding voters and i think it's really important to mention the fact that in our poll uh democrats uh at, in new york city actually feel very prepared 
likely to, Democratic primary voters in New York City. Well, but, but, yeah. but, 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 but Lee, no, um, yes, that's true, but, but it's also the more closely people are following yeah. the campaign, the more, the more likely. likely they are to feel prepared. And, yeah. and we know there's a relationship between people who follow the campaign and then end up, end up voting. So I think, Jay, you mentioned fair vote as well. Um, and I did ask them, so what's, what's normal? If you're looking at a poll, what's normal? How many people go in and say that they're just gonna vote for one candidate and move on? And usually that's about a, a third of the voting electorate, you know, uh, you know 33 to 35%. Um, we got 26% yeah, of um, New York City voters to say that they were only going to vote for one candidate. And interestingly, Fair Vote said that that actually declines on, elect, you know, on primary day or on, you know, when people fill out the ballot. So I, I think it's a, actually a testament to New York City voters that they do feel prepared. They're following this uh, campaign closely. And they are likely to vote for a lot of candidates. And Lee, real real quick, just let's point out that the ranked choice voting is not, this, New York isn't the first place to do it. It's used statewide in Maine and a couple other places. It's used in lots of states uh, for a variety of other things. So this, this is just the biggest group of potential voters. There's, you know, eight. 0.3 or 4 million people in New York City, obviously not all voters, but this is the biggest place it is used in terms of the population it is being used, yeah. but it has been used in the U.S. for some time. And in, coming in a to, fair number coming to all the way to Alaska for the Senate race next time. Right, uh, exactly. So, but it, so I just want to make that clear. Too. Yeah, it's in 50 cities uh, approximately around the country. So uh, this discussion is maybe uh, a choice, a method of voting that's coming to a city in your neighborhood uh, <laughs> and, and not too long. And as uh, you know, Jay, uh, as you indicate, this is a national phenomenon. And there's another national phenomenon. These segues are just absolutely well-crafted. Painful. Yeah. Painful. Well, the segues <laughs> are the ones you don't call out as a segue, Lee. So just yeah, do I it that's... with confidence. Just do it. <laughs> well, anyway, um, uh, you know, the, I, I have to have a good fun fact because after Steve Thoma's um, hot dog performance last week, there's been some um, interest in, in having, you know, Thoma time each week as opposed to my my time. But uh, keep those cards and letters coming in, folks. You're really, really encouraging me. Anyway, it is Father's Day on Sunday. How's that for an indisputable fact? And in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in, um, <laughs> I looked at and now again, in 2015, yes, 2015, CBS did a, did a national survey uh, and they want to know, well, what makes for the best Father's Day present? And what I thought is, well, I was somewhat surprised by this. The plurality answer, the biggest answer, 37% were, were tools. Um, I suspect- It's kind of know, the male version of a vacuum cleaner. I mean, what yeah. does that mean? Well, I also think today you, you'd have categories that might include like different computer and communication devices, mm. uh, not just a hammer and a nail. It was uh, only 2015. It wasn't 1950. I know that. I know that. But, but tools, I don't know. Anyway, next was sports tickets. Okay, uh, that I could say. So that one you're, pretty, see, that one you're on board for, Lee. Yes, yeah, so that's one. That would you be, don't that use was, so many tools, but, you know, sports tickets you'd be good with. Yeah. Yes. And then the, the thing I use the least, uh, books at 18%. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I do accept uh, Yankee uh, books about the Yankees and the New York football giants, and that's it. And then ties, 
And that's not a oh, tie. Those are, be, yeah, in, those are really going to be out this year because nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to be going, go back to dressing like an adult. Either yeah, at even home when, or even, at the office. Even, right. Even people going back to the office, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the dress code is going to be very yeah, different. Yeah, I have a closet trend. full of suits. My my my, my cleaners doesn't even recognize me anymore when I go in there. <laughs> huge trend right now. Huge trend that uh, that people are looking for clothing uh, that are kind of business casual, so that we can all stay somewhat comfortable as uh, those of us who have to return to the office do so. Yeah. So um, you know, and, and so that's you know, we'll see what happens as people unwrap these and see if the trends this year are any different. Um, before we go, did we introduce uh, Ashley Marshallack last week or not? I can't remember. Ashley Nod, our current no, no we, we did, did not. We did oh, not. oh, uh, do you want to go uh, off mute? I know we didn't rehearse this, but uh, um, so Ashley, tell us uh, just in one or two sentences because now Mary's eyes are starting to roll a little bit, um, uh, like. Uh, who are you and why are you you from and you know all those kinds of things yeah so um my name is ashley i am um a junior at marist i'm a political science major with a paralegal certificate and um and you're joining us because i started after doing the cdc um internship with you guys i did the the college to career yeah yeah I started working on the newsfeed team with you guys. So yeah. And so you, got you probably did of, a, you got rid of Amelia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's now actually in the real world making money, which is a good thing. Um, so you've sat in on two, this is our sec, I think your second uh, podcast. Uh, in one word, how would you describe what you have observed or, or, or reacted to? Fun. I I I know it's more than one word now, but I find it really fun. I really enjoy it. And it's very interesting. Well, continuing in her role, uh, helping out with the podcast, will be Ashley Marshnack, Marshnack because of the answer to that last question. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Right off the top. So it's great well, to have you. Welcome, Ashley. I hope I hope uh, I hope it's fun for the entire time you're with and, us. And stay <laughs> off mute so you can do what we all do here, which is to wish uh, everybody, all our dads, happy Father's Day. Right. So happy Father's Day, everybody. And that's going to do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in beautiful Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm Mary Griffith, and Poll Hub's executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor, and Marcello Bettman is our trusted editor. Thanks, of course, to the Roper Center Archive at Cornell University. They provide us with the ability to look back at survey questions and results over the decades. And don't forget to check out our short series of online learning modules. They can be found on marispoll.com. The Maris Poll Academy is where we give you the one-on-one on polls, methodology, and so much more. Oh, yeah, and it's free. Of course, if you have questions or comments, reach out to us on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter and Maris Poll on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you like what you hear on Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review on your podcasting app of choice. Positive reviews help others find us. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe.